yeah, that's the thing I think a lot of people forget. Earth is the special place. This is where life is. Is there theoretically life elsewhere in the universe? Almost definitely, given its scale and size. But we know that life exists here, and that it exists in a balance that was created through a combination of happenstance and adaptation. Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like other places probably better though. I feel like we're the dumbest of the races. Like I just feel like we're the dumbest. Oh, okay, man. so so for this hypothetical, you th- you would say that if there are other sentient creatures, like people that can do math, for instance, you think that their planets are better? Yes. Okay. I'm okay. not even gonna hesitate on that. Yeah, I really I, do. Okay, so um, let's with think. The, let's think of like UFOs, for instance. That, by by all means, that's better than any technology we even have available. Yeah, so yeah, if they could get here, it would definitely be better than any technology. And how fast they are, and how they're so hard to detect. Yeah. And ridiculous. Okay. Like, there's a lot of stories I found online about it, about people talking about being abducted and whatever. But you can't trust what someone says without facts, but you can go based on their word and be like, okay, that happened, and they're explaining this Star Wars-like scenario, and it's like, it's hard to believe, because, like, okay, how did you breathe out there? If they don't need to breathe out there, how do you... That kind of stuff. A lot of factors play in, but I'm like, shit. It's definitely an interesting idea. Um, In the event that any UFOs were real, and they were aliens, um, they would have to be moving at speeds that we can't even imagine. Because the- Light speed. Well, faster than light. Oh, well, yeah, faster than light. You gotta think, they're probably the ones that's able to travel light years. Yeah, absolutely. Across the galaxies. Uh, In in probably literal moments, if I'm being honest, because the nearest galaxy is light years away. Yeah. So you would have to be, one, traveling, you have to either live long enough to where that type of distance and time doesn't matter, or two, you'd have to basically put yourself in a position where you could survive for that long on a generational ship, which would be very difficult. Or not th- to mention to survive the conditioning. Yeah. Well, think about it this way: um, you're on a you're on a spaceship. Let's say that in this scenario, you can create artificial gravity, right? So you don't have to worry about your bone density being bombarded. Okay. Let's say you have a shield that prevents all the cosmic radiation from getting into your ship and hurting you. So you, the two biggest things that our astronauts have to worry about. Muscle and, and bone degradation due to the uh, loss in gravity and uh, cosmic radiation. Okay, now you still have to feed them. Where are you getting the energy? Okay, well, let's say that you have a technology that lets you um, gather energy from stars that are 100 light years away. Oh, that's pretty cool. You can feed your, you could definitely feed your, your, your people like that. But what if your soil goes bad? True. What if you run out of uh, raw mineral and vitamin to replenish the soil with? What if there's a disease that's formed and you don't create the, you don't have the technology to solve the disease because it's some form of new disease that was created amongst the ship? What if, God forbid, you collide with an asteroid? Like, there's so many different things that can happen. And not to mention the fact that most of space is nothing. No, yeah, There's exactly. nothing there. That's what's so eerie about it. It's yeah. Like... So the only way to really do it is to either fold space the way they do in like shows like Dune and The Expanse and stuff, where you actually open a wormhole. Like, I'm here, open wormhole, go there. Or, um, well, Dune doesn't really do that. You just it's travel so for years and nothing. Yeah, those are really your only options. So you have to be kind of like, I know you're not a huge Star Wars fan, but you have to be kind of like Yoda, where 900 years is his lifetime. Yes, the green guy. Um, He's 900 years old at the start of the series, right? And he dies. I believe he doesn't technically die of old age. I believe he dies of heartbreak. Oh. So... And uh, someone's probably, this is the second time I've talked about Star Wars and I may not know what I'm talking about, but I'm almost certain that it's kind of one of those situations where Yoda could have lived for longer, he would have been like decrepit and old, but he could have lived for longer, and in the event that he did, he would have, and because he didn't, it was, the reason that he didn't was because of the loss of the Jedi. 
Sorry, it took me a second to, to spit that out. Because, oh, no, you're fine. Because he essentially, they were his family, and he died. He essentially died of heartbreak. Not certain on that, but I definitely see that like being... Namics. Like Namics. <laughs> like Big Namic. Speaking of, um, we're going to do a Dragon Ball Z reaction on the Twitch. And oh, we're gonna, really? we're going to VOD it onto my personal reaction channel. Um, it will be under Andrew Reacts. Uh, that'll be posted and advertised a little bit soon. And also, we have merchandise, like a bunch of merchandise now. We, we got stickers, we got hats, we got shirts, we got hoodies, we've got um, laptop cases, tapestries, shower curtains. Oh, hell yeah. Whatever you I need. need to get me a shower curtain. As of right now, it's just it's just the logo, but we're gonna get a bunch more designs out there for you guys, um, and we're really excited to see what people think. Um, these aren't gonna be exclusive to to anyone at this point. These items are probably gonna stay for sale, and we're just gonna leave it up to you guys what you're gonna do with them from there. Oh no, I think. There might be a, a slight audio shift in quality right now because uh, apparently we weren't using the correct sound display even though it was selected, so I apologize in advance for that. Um, but we are, we are back to the podcast after that little technical difficulty. Uh, so back to, to what we were talking about, Star Wars, which you should definitely watch, and all those different like traveling through space type things. Um, so... so yeah, you would either need to find a space between our universe and time itself and space itself. So essentially, if this is reality, I'm putting my hand up, um, you would need to go under it or over it or around it and, and then appear back where you wanted to go, which is kind of how, um, how like slip space works in, in the majority of fictions. You essentially want to go from one place to another but instead of traveling in this universe, instead you enter another one that's smaller, travel the distance, and then appear where you wanted to go. And that's what I'm saying, that I feel like our technology is just too low. Yeah, definitely. I feel like other life forms out there would have better technology to do that. Yes, yeah. we get out there, like our astronauts would be frozen by yeah. the time they get that far. Yeah, I don't think we could launch, even if we somehow figured out some kind of stasis technology, I do not think we could launch into a nearby galaxy with, with this level of technology be wrong, that we have. Like, I feel like there's more suns out there to provide warmth, but how far? You know what yeah. I mean? Light years. The answer is most likely several light years. And crossing that distance, what for? Like, we have everything we need on Earth. So it would just be our manifest destiny taken over again where we, we want to colonize other, other places. And I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm not that big of a fan of the idea. I just, I just don't see it. I mean, it'd be cool to, like, be able to vacation on, like, Kepler-22b if it's not <laughs> deadly or whatever. But I don't really, I don't really care. You know what I mean? Because, like, I still think this is special enough. But I do get I do get your point completely because like if I could go to um, Coruscant or something, which is another is. Star Wars planet, oh, okay, or um, Caladan from Dune, which is one of my favorite things of all time. Um, I I mean I would love to. They're they're water worlds like or the bug planet from or, Star Wars. Or I think not Star Wars, Starship Troopers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you've seen Starship Starship Troopers. Yeah, it's a so funny movie. how would you feel if you found out that like the brain bug? Was, was a real thing and that there are bugs out there that can shoot themselves across space and that's the alien race we come into contact with. Uh, I don't want to get in contact with them. <laughs> so did you not see the kind of guns they needed to use to take those things down? Oh yeah, down? I've, seen all those, I've seen all the Star Trip Troopers, like, man, Starship Troopers that, movies. That brain bug just suck out your brain so it gains knowledge. I'm like, nah. Wait, it's not Starship Troopers that has sequels. I might be thinking of Stargate. There might be sequels to Starship Troopers. I can't remember. There's three of them, I believe. Okay, I'm pretty sure I've seen all of them. But I've at least a... seen the. I've at least seen what I'm pretty sure is the first two, because the first one is essentially he him being a soldier, 
and doing his thing. And then the second one, he gets like a position of almost power, and he's working with. Um, I never watched two or three. All okay. I did was watch. The so first the first one, one has um, Johnny Rico and and um, Barney Stinson from Two and a Half, or not Two and a Half Men. Oh my God, uh, Barney Stinson from How I Met Your Mother. I'm very bad. Neil with Patrick actors. Harris. Uh, very very punchable face. The guy with telekinesis or telepathy. Yes. He's Boom. in that movie? Okay. So, yes, that's the first one. <laughs> I know you. I've at least seen the first one because that's the one where he gets his brain sucked at, at yeah, the end yeah, in order yeah. to make him, make the brain bug more powerful. Um, yeah, so if you found out that it was a race like that or a race like our zombies. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't think, I don't think um, other life forms would all be the same. No, they'd be like, very different. They'd be very different. Like... I don't know, like, we were just talking about Dragon Ball Z. Like, there could be Piccolos out there. Or there could be Boos or Freezes or something like that. Like, th- there's going to be different life forms. Because if it was all the same, well, I can't prove that it's all the same. I can't prove that it's not all the same. But I always thought, the, my theory is if there there is, in fact, life forms out there, it's most likely going to be similar to the film or the book um oh shit man you're having a bad day with this i am having a really bad day um isaac asimov red planet movie or book he didn't make movies um not mars the other one not foundation which one is it oh my god why am i why am i blanking so hard today because you're working around the clock i i have been working a lot but uh, but not in a bad way i would say I, i'm just a little just a little worn out um nemesis nemesis that's what it was you should have like, got that one I, well i couldn't remember i couldn't remember which which greek goddess it was named after if it was nemesis or if it was actually Hephaestus and I was just remembering wrong. But essentially, this this book, Nemesis, the planet is sentient. The planet is what? It's sentient. It's alive. It can think. Oh. Um, it, well, it's not weird. Because what it is, is essentially there's these tiny little amoeba-type things all over the planet. And they are its neurons. Okay. So I've always thought that life, if it was on another planet... It would more likely be a single-celled organism that can connect to other single-celled organisms and form a massive body, for instance, like a giant amoeba. Or not a, or a yeah, like a giant amoeba. It just walks up, consumes, gets bigger type thing. Oh, okay. Like the blob. Have you seen the blob? Yes. Okay. So I think that would most likely be a type of sentient life out there, um, which if you, you've played... No, you haven't played the Fallout games. No. Um, the first Fallout game, the, the main antagonist, his name's the Master. He falls into this this chemical, and the chemical turns him into a creepy creature, essentially. But he's in it for so long that it essentially melts his DNA and gives him the ability to absorb biomass from other things. So, like, he, he eats this rat, and he has all the memories of being a rat. And he, he eats this person, and he has all the memories of being that person. And he eventually gathers enough knowledge and power that he can incorporate even machinery into into his body and then he gains the knowledge of the machinery too and because of that he essentially becomes hyper intelligent to the point where he can attack you psionically which i don't think is technically possible Be- well i mean the brain has waves yeah and those waves do exit our skull they do leave our skull and our body also produces a sound every object in the universe vibrates and because it's vibrating it produces a sound and you could theoretically if you found some type of power source that people could tap into amplify that ability and send it out at people or something um but I don't, I don't think like telepathy or telekinesis is, is truly possible the way that we think of. I think it would be more like 
they send a signal to their friend and the signal is interpreted interpreted by something else based on its frequency. It wouldn't be true telepathy like where I'm a, I'm on planet X, you're on planet Y and we can communicate. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of things though that are starting to really defy what we think is possible. Like have you heard of Neuralink? No. Um, Neuralink is a device that's being created by Elon Musk that essentially is something you put in your brain and it allows you to control machines with your thoughts. Yeah, I I don't believe in that. But it's real. And I, you, you don't you don't you don't. I don't think it'll work. Like I, I think it will work, but it'll go too far. No, he, because he, he's trying to bring judgment day. No, um, he's no. trying to he's trying to help the disabled because he's very anti AI. I could tell. <laughs> I can tell. He wants to control the machines with our thoughts, not the other way around. Um, but essentially, he's trying to make prosthetics for people that have been crippled I mean, or disabled. he has a good cause for it. Yeah. But how much damage would that be to your brain to have a foreign device touch it? You know, the brain's like... As of right now, none. Because we've, we've, put, we've put electrodes in people's heads before which yeah. is a very similar concept because you're just attaching electrodes to particular areas in order to pick up electrical signals from the brain. You can do them fairly harmlessly. You can, they're, they're almost safe. Like When you think about it, there are very few risks these days because of all the science that's gone into it. But I also understand what you're saying. Sophia agrees with you, by the way, because I was basically like, the first time I can have a neural link that I can instantly connect to my computer with, I want it. Yeah, they could cut your skull all you want. No, man. Yeah, uh, they, they, and it's it's a little tiny thing. I, I'll it's do very like little. the memory on my PlayStation <laughs> external, please. I, I don't I don't want to. I feel that. I feel that. No, I'm good. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, don't get me wrong. Like technology is getting better, but slowly. Well, it's so, it's accelerating, and I feel like it started getting better too late. The planet's already pretty much dying, in my opinion. Oh, okay. So oh, we're referring to the consequences of our behaviors to get to this point. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, there's always the terraform Earth idea. I mean, yeah, but, like, you got to think of all the factories. It's, like, look at the global warming. I feel like global warming is an issue. A lot of people may disagree with me. But um, the summers are getting hotter. The winters are getting warmer, depending on where you are, of course. Yeah. Well, so, there's definitely a climate shift happening. Yes, and so I'm 30 years old. When I was younger, like, say, 10, we had cold winters here in Florida. Like, yeah. it was cold. You needed a jacket. There has only been maybe a few days out of the week that was winter, mm -hmm. and that was it. And that's because all the pollutants are killing the ozone layer, layer. And the ozone layer is the only thing really protecting us from burning alive from the sun. So if the ozone layer goes... All the vegetation, which is our oxygen, goes. And if we don't burn to death, we're going to suffocate. Yeah. Um, you, you, everything you said, very accurate, actually. I, I was expecting to, to critique you quite a bit. Um, however, there, there are so many different factors to this particular discussion. And I'm going to state firmly, I am not a climate change denier. I personally believe it is very real. However, I'm also a logician. I prefer to look at things from every perspective that I possibly can. And here's, an, here's one thing that people don't really mention. Yes, everything you said is true. The ozone layer is depleting, but it's not being caused by us. It's being caused by space. Space is a vacuum. It's trying to absorb as much of our oxygen as possible. It's trying to absorb all the gases that are held to Earth at so all times. How is, that, how is space weakening the ozone layer? Something must it's, be weakening the ozone layer first for space to be weakening it. No, further. it's always been. It's always. always been that way. Because essentially, what what is oxygen but gas? And what yeah. is gas but matter? And what is matter but something that wants to flow freely? The mass of the Earth holds the gas to it because of gravity. Yeah. And the vacuum of space wants to take that. So essentially... You, it's very similar to how you think of a commercial vacuum. It's not exactly the same, but if you were to take a tennis ball and cover it in water and you put a vacuum next to it, eventually 
the air that's being pulled around that tennis ball will dry it. Yeah. So the the thing is, where does all the gas come from? A combination of several different things, environmental issues, the um, a lot of a lot of different materials are locked within the Earth itself and are released into the ocean through um, through volcanic vents at the bottom of our oceans. Uh, for instance, did you know that our atmosphere originally was formed by volcanic dust? It gave it something. It gave us something dense enough to hold on to for th for it to cool long enough for things to become inhabitable. Then the water that was locked within the Earth began to pool. That's how original clouds were formed. As that continuously moved forward and forward, water slowly was pulled either from the Earth or came in from other asteroids and actually essentially hydrated the planet. Once that happened, there was enough fluid and mass within the planet itself that it could hold an atmosphere. But from the moment that the atmosphere began to form to now to forever, it was being essentially taken away by, by space. So there is one school of thought that says we're actually helping because we're taking carbon dioxide which and carbon monoxide, which don't get me wrong, they are technically poisonous. Quite a few of the chemicals that are released through our fossil fuel usage Sulfuric, uh, um, sulfur itself, sulfuric acid, carbon monoxide, um, nitro nitrous oxide, bunch of different stuff. Dimetal mercury. Dimetal mercury. Um, and no one is arguing at this point that we're not having an effect. I mean, all the way in Alaska and in places where indigenous people have never done industrial zones, there's plastic in their water, there's lead in their oceans, and there's radiation higher levels of radiation than there should be in their plants. So there is in fact a massive global change being caused by humanity. No one should be denying that at this point. But there are several schools of thought on this. For instance, did you know that we're not even sure that we're out of an ice age yet? Yeah, we found that out. We were looking it up that one yeah. day. So now let's, let's look at it from that perspective. Let's say that we are still in an ice age. Okay, we're coming out of the ice age. Makes sense. The ice caps are melting and falling and... Yes, so if in the event that we are in fact coming out of an ice age, everything that's happening is not only natural, but unpreventable. Is human, is human intervention accelerating that? 100% yes. We don't know the exact impact. I don't even think we can calculate the exact impact given that there are it's never happened before, like, you can't... You... kind of. Okay, so, um... Hundreds of millions of... Or no, maybe it was a billion years ago at this point, actually. Uh, let's say, let's just go with a billion to be safe. There were trees, but no bacteria to eat them. That's where coal comes from. You see, trees would fall and die on the ground, but nothing would ever destroy them or consume them. So, more trees would fall on top of them and slowly compact over it. They would turn into fuel for the next set of trees, but eventually that weight adds up, and that becomes coal. Okay. On top of that, oil is a very similar concept. The sediment of the uh, underneath the layer of the ocean, where the the oh, I'm sorry, underneath the ocean on the on the surface of the Earth, is constantly being shifted due to tectonic activity and also gravity from the moon. It pulls the water up into the air, causes the tides, and it slows back down. Water has mass. Yes. It moves things. That movement can go all the way down to the surface of the ocean. The, so for years, water would be slowly picking up these dead animals and layering it on top of each other over and over and over again, right? That's where we get our oil from. So put two and two together, almost the entire planet was covered in oceans. No, yes, yes. Because you can find oil most places. And now that's not an exact science. I believe that there are quite a bit of other animals that can become oil in, or other uh, materials that can become oil. But I believe, and I could be wrong, that the most consistent way to get oil is to have an aquatic creature that undergoes the same process of 
carbonization as trees. So decay and... Decay and compaction. Yes. Because carbon is a very sturdy material. It's a very sturdy atom. It um, does not like to decay, which is very important in science in general. Radioactive decay is is measured in carbon for a reason. And um, on top of that, carbon is literally the fundamental blocks of life. It allows things to exist in particular ways. Um, carbon, it, it turns several acidic materials or, um, sorry, acidic, wrong, wrong school of thought. In, in um, physics, there are reactive and inreactive atoms. For instance, hydrogen is a highly reactive atom because it has one electron, and that electron wants a pair. And because of that, it can interact with things in very different ways. But when yes. you combine it with oxygen, you don't get an explosion. You get oxygen. Or you get uh, H2O. How does it make sense? Because the number of hydrogen atoms complements the number of oxygen atoms, and then they rotate around one another. So on the fundamental physics particle level, H2O and two hydrogen atoms and an oxygen atom are very much the same thing, but also completely different. Because the way that atoms and electrons interact with one another creates different things. So carbon is very much a... I don't understand enough about um, organic chemistry to talk about this in this level of detail, but my... My thought process is that carbon is essentially one of the most stable part or one of the most stable atoms that we know of. Yes. It will not decay. It does not it it stays the way it is or transforms into something else. Coal, diamonds, um, carbon fiber, carbon steel. Yeah. Um and even our ancestors were starting to get to know that a little bit. Um, for instance, when I was researching for one of the games I want to make, I was looking at ancient metal building and ancient metal craft type situations. Was it all Rome? A lot of it was Rome. But yeah. uh, I spent a lot of time looking at the Aztec warriors from before the time of the pyramids. Yeah. Um, and they had an interesting tradition of melting the bones of their fall of their fallen and the uh, and their enemies into their weapons, which made their weapons super strong because bones are made of carbon and calcium, yep. which allowed the metal to become a pseudo-steel. Speaking of which, uh, did you know you can literally make a sword out of the blood of your enemies? You've got your carbon, you've got your iron. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> I was about to say I want to try that now. I was like, wait, how? Hold on, let me let him explain this real quick. You literally would just kill people. So much blood. Uh, This has just become a a mature podcast. Uh, You would just kill people. You drain their blood into a pot. You let it dry up to get all of the the fluid out of it. Essentially, yeah. And then you and then you you force all that into a sword by melting it down into ingots. And yeah, you you could you could totally make a sword out of the blood of your enemies. Oh god. Um, It wouldn't. It probably wouldn't be the best sword, but it would be a sword. It'd be more like a whip. Exactly, exactly. Um, Now, here's the thing. What do you think happens when you have all of these different physics that we're aware of, but the Earth is composed, talking back to aliens for a minute, but the Earth is composed of entirely different material? For instance, Mars. Mars is not too dissimilar from Earth from like an astrophysics perspective. It has a similar gravity, it has the the capacity for a similar atmosphere. It, it has a bunch of different things. Go ahead. I, I was about to say, I, I personally believe that Mars is possibly inhabitable. Like Possibly habitable, you mean? Yeah, habitable, sorry. Um, um, there are a lot of theories on that. The thing is, is that the... There's really no water on the there planet. There is now. We know that oh, there is now. now. Yeah. Um, so like not, that's not even including the frozen water. You would have to try to get vegetation to grow. Yes, and it's mostly clay. Exactly. Yeah. So it. 
Uh, it, um, it would be rough, but... It would be rough, but it would be possible. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's possible. Thing. I would say it would take a while to get to the point of where it would be habitable. But as of right now, it's inhabitable for another hundreds of years, in my opinion. Like, hundreds and thousands, possibly. Because just getting it to the point where we can actually have fertilizer or anything kind of related to soil up there. The good news is that I believe the Martian soil can be viable. I just think that a lot of people don't realize that plants don't just need minerals and nutrients. They need a microbiome of bacteria, insects, things like that. So if you were to take a large enough supply of soil and isolate a large enough supply of Martian soil, you could slowly turn Martian soil closer and closer to Earth soil. Yeah. But there's a big problem. The, um, the whole planet is essentially covered in rust. That orange-yellow glow or that orange-red glow that um, Mars has is due to essentially being covered in, in rust. And because of that, there's going to be a lot of difficulty getting that rust out. Rust is very toxic. Yeah. Rust is very hard to for any um, organism to process. It's it's not a good material, to, to say the very least. Um, but that tells you something, because where does rust come from? Metal. Metal. Specifically, iron. Iron produces rust, because rust is um, iron oxide. Rust combines with oxygen from the air and it produces nitrous oxide. Or nitrous oxide. Iron so oxide. Like, uh... Iron oxide. Um, and I want to say a couple of other materials do a similar thing. Not to mention the fact that Mars is cold. Yeah. Like super cold. It's and amazing it's what always a little bit, cold. A little bit of ways away from the sun yeah. will do. Yeah, like so there are a couple of things that you could do. So let's say you, you wanted to get it done in one blow. You just wanted, I wanted Mars to be habitable as soon as possible. Okay, nuke the poles, legitimately. Just go to both of the, both the North and South Pole and drop a thousand nukes on each. Then you have water flowing into, hello wife, give me just a second. And we're back. Um, what were, we were talking about Mars being made of a bunch of iron and it's really cold. It's really cold. But yeah, you could you could essentially nuke the poles to fix that problem. And you would have water, too, as a byproduct. Yeah. And water would wash, wash away a chunk of the, the rust, too. And then you'd, you'd be able to do quite a number of different things. But if you're going to nuke the poles, how does radioactive material interact with water over a long term? And you also have to take in consideration that gravity probably works differently on Mars. Yes. Um, Mars is uh, 67% our mass. So you'd be lighter on Mars. Things would be lighter on Mars. As a consequence of that, its atmosphere is also being sucked up much faster. Um, oh, to put it in perspective, uh, Jupiter being a gas giant, Yes. there's rock underneath that. Really? Um, theoretically. Like, we, we don't know. I know, that's why I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so there's most likely a massive rock underneath that, or there's the main theory that is accepted um, nowadays is that a large form of gas that existed within space itself formed together to create Jupiter or Uranus or any other of the gas giants. Personally, I subscribe to the giant rock surrounded by gas theory because... I don't really see how that works, <laughs> I mean. But then again, I'm not an astrophysicist. Because um, it just doesn't make sense. Where did all the gas come from? Like I said, we don't know what's out there. Every, exactly. Like... Well, we know how the majority, we theoretically know how the majority of minerals were made. For, for instance, the... Um, most dense particles in the universe were probably made first, or no, uh, last. So at the big, at the moment of the Big Bang, um, and then for the moments after, the heat was so high that materials that we couldn't even imagine existing in the modern world did, like um, 
there's a there's a um I want to say it's called Qons. Yeah, I want to say it's called Qons. Qons are essentially a solid made up of so many different energized atom types. So essentially you have a physical space. So it's like a think of it as like a block. Yeah. But it's it's made of nothing but everything but nothing at the same time. So it doesn't really have a shape, but it does. But it doesn't. Does, it, does that make any sense? Um. <laughs> okay. So it's think of a think of a block that is so hot that everything except for its surface is plasma. Okay. That's essentially the best way of explaining it. Because what's really happening is gravity and pressure and heat are forcing atoms together and they're fusing and they're basically free-flowing electrons, protons, and neutrons with the fundamental parts of atoms. But it's so intense that the quarks which make up those things that I just was talking about are fused together. Hmm. And then those things split off Gravity forced them together, or I think actually it would have been the strong force, uh, forced them together, and then they became atoms. And then those atoms came together under intense heats, intense pressures, and they fuse together and become material. So a hydrogen atom, or two hydrogen atoms meets an oxygen atom. The, the conditions are just right. They become water. Makes sense. But I don't think... Most of the time, you can just take oxygen and take hydrogen and put them in a bottle and shake them up and make water. It would just remain hydrogen and oxygen. You would need pressure, heat, stuff like that. So other planets were made under completely different conditions than our own. And we only have ever seen things that can be formed on our planet. So there's most likely materials with properties we can't even imagine. Oh, yeah, of course. Like, we can't imagine something that doesn't exist to us. Yeah. So. What happens if a material is made almost naturally to be carbon steel? Because carbon steel is a combination of several. It's a combination of, I believe. I don't know. I'm not even going to comment. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it's iron, something else, and carbon. Right? So you mix those together. Alloys are even more complicated, but whatever. Um, you mix those things together. You don't get something that has some of the properties of iron or some of the properties of carbon and some of the properties of material three. You get something with completely new properties. For instance, what about iron, carbon, or the third material, which I still believe is nickel, um, mixed together makes it to where it won't be rusted. trick question it's a byproduct of the actual merging process because there are no pores on carbon steel truth man there's a lot of factors in this the universe yeah it's just that's like that's just like a comment that's just like a little bit physics like a little bit of chemistry like a little bit of astrobiology (laughs) and that's like not even mentioning the fact that there are planets that have conditions that you couldn't survive on except for like a little sliver for instance there's a plant there's planets that don't rotate or they rotate very 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 slowly so they're only facing their sun on one side so half of the planets ice cold the other half is molten hot. There's a Goldilocks zone in the middle of that planet. Can life build on that Goldilocks zone? Is there enough raw material coming from the molten side and enough new material coming from the from the frozen side and asteroids to form life? I don't know if it would, though, because you got to think it may be rotating very slowly, but at some point it's going to rotate, which means all life forms would have to shift to the opposite side or like just like as it's rotating, like try to migrate over. You know? Yeah, essentially they would migrate slowly as time goes on. But I don't think it would take very long to heat the planet. So let's say the sliver, the sliver moves a little bit. Well, it's just as 
to not have to worry about anything. Sliver moves, the sliver of habitable zone moves a little bit, but I feel like it's moving slow enough that life would just continuously adapt in the direction that it's moving. Yeah. If not, life would exist on both sides because things would adapt to niches. They would be able to survive on colder and colder and warmer and warmer environments through either natural selection or natural adaptation. There's a bunch of different things, not to mention epigenetics. Things can, life forms can change across a single generation. For, there's a really good example in humans. Uh, I want to believe it was during the French famine of 1912. The French famine was so bad that it literally changed the DNA of children a generation later. So these, guy, these guys, because it was mainly seen in men, these men were starving to death. Okay. So their bodies activated genes within them that caused them to be thinner and have a better ability to process the nutrients that they're taking in. So do their kids, and so do their grandkids. Two generations changed by one 10-year famine. That's a whole other conversation, too. Yep. Just human genes. And, it, you, and Does that apply to animals? Absolutely. Yeah, animals course. have epigenetics. We're just a different animal, unless you're very religious and you think that we're something else, in which case, you're welcome uh, to think that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's like the, that's the crazy thing about this whole thing. If, if life exists, which it most likely does, given the size and scale and, and all that kind of stuff, it's going to be very different oh, yeah. from on every planet. You're not going to get you're going to get similar adaptations that we have, but it's going to be completely different fundamentally. Their cells might be made of completely different material. Um, they could be processing oxygen in a completely different way. For instance, they may not need insects or not insects, um, plants to produce oxygen. Maybe they produce oxygen inherently. Because we know that oxygen is important because even plants need oxygen. Yeah. They use it for their uh, respiratory system. And as far as we can tell, respiratory systems are pretty fucking important. Like, yeah. Like, if you don't have a respiratory system, you can't move... You can't move... Um, if you don't have a respiratory system, you can't move um, red blood cells or white blood cells because blood cells require oxygen to move. Yes. And hemoglobin requires oxygen to function as well as iron. All those different components are how our bodies work. But what if there's a, a methane ocean? What if the entire, what if it's so cold on the ocean that the oceans are methane? Are there materials that can form within that methane that can become complex enough to be considered life? Never know. And that would completely bypass our understanding of life as we know it. A methane-based life form that's as that's as weird as an acid as acid-based life forms. Sulfuric sulfuric acid-based life forms that you find next to volcanic vents, those things are incredibly complicated. Like they produce a mucus that allows them to exist long enough in order for the the, the sulfuric acid to be to be broken down by the said mucus to eat. So much stuff. It's just it's so complicated. And that's just Earth still. Like. We're not even tapping into anything else other than just the factors that may be somewhere else but possibly could be completely different and uh, there's so much. Um, neurons. I'll talk about neurons for a second. So neurons are these tiny little things that are exist in our, all over our body, but there's space between them. And there's these things called neurotransmitters that transition the signal through electrical signals, essentially, to produce different results. So you send neurotransmitters to a particular area, send it through electrical signals, and it causes things to happen. Okay? So who's to say there isn't a life form that is complex but is able to think using only neurotransmitters? doesn't need a neuron. It's just free-flowing free, free neurotransmitters that respond to incoming stimuli. Right? Okay. So they would essentially be thinking nearly instantly. Or 
what if you had a, an entire set of cells that each could think on its own through interconnection? It, could, it had a neuron that was able to feel its adjustment. Because all light, all seeing light is, is our body responding to a set of essentially predetermined to us stimuli and converting it into electrical signals in our brain. Yes. So light doesn't really exist to us, even though it does and we respond to it and everything, because we're not responding to just the light. We're responding to all different things that light light does. Yes. For instance, we have a completely different sense to tell that light is warm. Yeah. We have a completely different sense to t- to let us know when when light is, or I guess not really. It would probably our sense of smell was probably designed for a completely different reason. But you can smell a shower. Like like a, yeah. You can smell a sunny day. You can. S- you, you're, most of your senses are interconnected in, in, in particular ways, like your sense of smell, especially to your memory because of the way that it's, it's wired in. But even more so, your sense of smell can trigger your other senses. So that's all super interconnected. And what if there's a being that's not? Like, what if they are designed in a way to where they have these little feelers all over them and they tell them exactly what's happening? Like oh the pressure has changed this direct it changed in this direction with this much with this much force and the heat has changed in this direction with this much force. Yeah. That those guys are probably the ones building the UFOs. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> they're they're probably capable. Instantly, yeah. And then we run into those guys. Those are the aliens. I hope, way above I us. I hope those ones <laughs> instead of the bug people. Bug people would be the worst. Bug people would be the absolute worst. Um, Followed probably by demon-looking guys. As long as they're nice demons. I mean, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, if they're nice demons, then I'm just being racist. But if they're not nice demons, I don't want to deal with them. Like, if they're if they're doom, uh. de- demon spawns from hell, yeah, no thank you. <laughs> um, but there, there are, there's so many ideas that we've come up with, and chances are we're not even close. Oh yeah, like we're not even close to how they actually work. Even I, I think even mine is possible. My my alien species, it's a virus that infects and can change things on the on, on a fundamental level. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes possible sense if you have a cell that is capable of interpreting information from things around it by eating its its surroundings. Mm-hmm. You can then learn to produce the things that that cell had. So if to, and then over time you could adapt things. And if you can control things at the cellular level, you can produce RNA which adjusts adjust DNA and you can just rewrite something's genetic code. It's called CRISPR. Have you heard of CRISPR? You can change your genes. You can change your genes? Yes. There's this guy who had a genetic disorder. He's the first person to inject CRISPR in, in, a, in a real body. He had this genetic disorder, took the CRISPR, no genetic disorder. Oh. Yeah. Um, he had some kind of genetic just degenerative disease that would have left him wheelchair-bound for the rest of his life, and he's fine. Wow. No side effects that we've seen so far unless things have been updated recently. But he's one of the only guys. However, two babies, Asian babies, China, thank you, China, um, were injected with CRISPR in an attempt to make them immune to AIDS. The rats that they tried it on were able to navigate mazes 20% faster than the rats that weren't injected with it. Okay. So theoretically, you got super babies. Hell yeah. Imagine a human that's 20% intellectually smarter than the average. Yeah, an alien. <laughs> you you're, you can slowly start to bend that yeah. line. And then what happens when they have kids? Are those genes genetic? Most likely. Are they dominant? Maybe. If they have a dominant brain gene that makes them more intelligent, then humanity just gets more intelligent by a consequence over time. True. And you can, and you can even see something like that because there's this guy, or I guess it would be a group of people at the time, who survived the bubonic plague in the U.K., due to the fact that he had a genetic mutation that essentially doesn't let 
a disease attached to his cells properly. Okay. So he, he essentially survived. You can track a bunch of different people that are a descendant of that guy because of that gene. Even more so with Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan, essentially, trigger warning, I guess, raped so many women that you can see his genetic line across the world. That's a lot of women, dude. Even with me. Um, I am a descendant of Mongolians, according to my ancestry, um, ancestry report. <laughs> I need to try mine. Like, see what's going on with me. You're Egyptian. I know it. Um, Sophia is Egyptian. Oh, really? Yeah, she uh, she also has a 4% trace junk DNA. They don't know where she's from. So cool, I'd want that. And according to the report on her DNA that I read, if I understood it properly, it's as far back as they can go. So, like, they don't know exactly... What where that DNA came from because it's so much further back than they've actually been able to remap. So it's a, she's essentially a race that predates the majority of our our considered races in the past. She might be a real alien, bro. She might be a descendant of a real alien. Uh, Bring it like, full uh, circle. She might be a descendant of a real alien. I'd explain a lot of her behavior if we're being honest. <laughs> Sorry if you listen to this this podcast <laughs> wife and you get to hear um yeah she's yeah, she's essentially a little bit of everything because um she she's aroma as as the term is supposed to be used and they were a nomadic people for thousands if not currently still and I mean, they, they to put it in perspective, no offense, other people that have been abused, <laughs> but they, essentially, if you, if you think of a time when people were getting abused, so were the gypsies. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, um, gypsies were persecuted during the, the Second World War. Gypsies were persecuted during the Samaritan times, even though they weren't gypsies yet, I don't think. Um, they were persecuted by the... Christians, they were persecuted by the, specifically the Catholic, they were persecuted by the Jewish people, they've been, they don't have a place because they're so persecuted. I mean, they are nomadic people, but I believe the, the historical records kind of think that it's a response to the fact that they were constantly getting spears thrown at them and arrows shot at them. Like, um, nobody wanted them around for extended periods of time because of according to what I understand, essentially lost medicine that they had access to. They, they knew things that we didn't quite understand at the time that seemed to work. And whether, they already had it. Yeah, and they already had it. It, it, it was either lost knowledge or gained knowledge, uh, most likely uh, lost knowledge, because there's there have been several periods in history where one city has obtained a large technological advancement of some kind just to be overthrown by a weaker, a weaker civilization that doesn't understand it. More often than not, humans design muskets, the musket people go and shoot the people with the arrows, and then the people with the arrows outnumber the musket people, pick up the muskets, and start using them. Makes sense, yeah. And that's, that's how a lot of technology actually gets done. Most of everything that I think we've created at this point was invented by someone else. Well, not in the modern era, obviously. But it was invented by somebody else, that guy got killed, and so they re reverse-engineered it, and now we have this new thing. True. I would say that's like most of history's inventions for a long say, time. Sound, yeah. Because like, you can't tell me that we only came up with writing once, and then everyone started figuring it out. I mean, that's uh, factually untrue. But even so, let's say, have we talked about chimpanzees entering the Stone Age? And chimpanzees what? Entering the Stone Age. We've never talked about okay. this. No. Chimps are using tools on their own. Okay. And it's not just happening with, like, these one groups of chimps over here that are, like, super smart now. Like, oh, there's a new group of chimps. No, it's everywhere. It's happening all at once. And it predates us interacting with them. Huh. It's been happening for a while. 
We so, are part monkey, so. It, well, yeah, we we are just we're descendants of monkeys. Yes. Yeah, uh, monkeys are one of our common ancestors. Um, so what that potentially means is that in the future, there's going to be another group of human-type creatures that are descendants of tr- chimpanzees. And the cycle will just keep going on and on. Theoretically. Because chimpanzees are the way that they are because they need to be. Yes. They, they need to be strong enough to fight off the things in the wild. They need tough enough hair covering their body to protect them from insects. And they need a bunch of other different things that they have access to. Well, when you can kill a boar or whatever the fuck you want to eat with a rock from distance... You don't need to have tough skin anymore. Yeah. You just need to have a good throwing arm. Very true. Which is how humans evolved. We literally developed the throwing arm as Homo erectus, I want to say, and we started throwing shit. And then we would eat meat more, and meat has more protein in it, and then eventually Mm -hmm. we discovered fire, which made it even better because when you cook meat, it gets even more nutritious. Yes. Mm. Which, to me, is insane. You have this thing... You have this thing, and it's 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 got all the material you you want in it. Yes. Right, and you can take it you can take it and you can put it on this hot pan. The pan doesn't give it anything except heat, and it gets better for you. The calories go up. Yeah. Because um, wasn't there a story before about someone that only ate raw beef? Yeah, you can eat raw beef if if you uh, if it's fresh. And you're um, you're careful with it. You you can eat raw beef because the majority of um, bacteria is co- comes from the packaging process. Yes. Especially when it comes to ground beef, because it's impossible to keep those blades clean. Yeah. You you can clean them after every single wash, and you're still not going to get it all. So there there are regulations. Essentially, you you worked in meat with me. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. But the meat doesn't spoil because meat goes bad. The meat spoils because something else is eating it. Mm-hmm. That's like. essentially what happens. Um, however, with meat, it might be a little different because of hemoglobin needs oxygen, but who really knows? We all know how it goes. Well, we're just about coming up on an hour, finally. That's a while. You, you were, uh, we were just spearing about science. Uh, yeah, I basically started ranting. It seems to me like these, these go a little um, more towards me holding the conversation right now. Because it's just that it's just that stage right now where yeah. we're, we're doing a little bit of marketing. Everyone's kind of kind of doing their own thing. We didn't talk about some of the stuff that I wanted to talk about, like you taking over making the cards and stuff, and how you've been doing with that. So I'll have you over to do another one soon because we're not doing them once a week right now. We're not doing podcasts once a week. Which, if you made it this far, in case you didn't know, we are no longer doing podcasts once a week. We're doing them as frequently as we can up yes. until the launch of the game, the game's Indiegogo. You know, on July 1st in order to try and get some extra level of support. Uh, I'm hoping that it works well and because we seem to gain some subscribers every single time. And if you're listening on Google Podcasts, um, what are the other new other new systems we're on? Yeah, that one's out of my reach. Uh, I want to say we're on Google Podcast. Apple Podcast might be new, but I don't think so. I'm pretty sure we've had that for a couple weeks. Um, definitely on Spotify. Definitely on YouTube. Um, I w- we added a couple more recently, but I don't know for sure what they are. But in the event that you are from one of those platforms, uh, please do not hesitate to follow us on YouTube as well as go to our website at collisiongate.com. Uh, and learn more, as well as follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv or twitch.twitch.tv forward slash collisiongate, all one word. And follow us on Redbubble, where you can purchase uh, our merchandise. Ah, uh, yes. Anything from hats to tapestries, like I mentioned earlier, um, all the way to laptop sleeves and stickers can be found on on our Redbubble link, which is will also be on the website. Um, do you have anything you want to say really quick? 
not that I know of, no. Okay. Uh, I'll probably see if I can steal you again this week, and we'll, we'll, I'll let you take the reins. Uh, you seemed pretty tired, so I, I figured I'd just talk through. Oh, no, I wasn't good. sure if I was putting you to sleep or if you were um, just tired, but I figured probably just tired. Uh, no, there's a reason for it. I'll explain. Okay. Off. Off air? Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, once again, this was Tyler. Um, he's essentially our systems, our systems designer at this point. Um, and this is Andrew, I guess, is my name. <laughs> and this was, I guess, Collision Cast. And I guess goodbye.